back, everyone. I missed you guys. It's been a couple of weeks since we did these live shows. Do I look any darker? I was out in the Caribbean last week over the Thanksgiving holidays, and hopefully you had a nice break, too. Unfortunately, the U.S. has lost uh, their bid or their opportunity through the World Cup. They lost this morning to the Netherlands. Congratulations to the Netherlands, and it's been a fun ride to watch this new and younger U.S. team compete. And in just a little bit, in an hour or so, we're going to see Argentina play um, next. But um, let's talk about what is actually going on with the Bay Area real estate market. It's been a few weeks. Did everything crash and burn? What happened since I was gone? We're going to take a look at the data itself because, as usual, in the first Saturday of each month, we're going to look at what has happened over the previous month. So let's take a look. And then we're going to go over the headline articles of the week. And of course, this is a live show. So if you have any questions or comments, leave in the comments below. I will I will respond to all of them in real time here. And at the same time, if you're not able to watch this live, you can leave a comment or send me a direct message and we can go over your situation. So let's talk about the data itself. Right. So um, we're going to first look at what everybody's always curious about. Right. Everybody's always curious about what is going on with the market, what is going on from the price perspective. So we're going to take a look at what has been happening over the last couple of years, but more importantly, what happened in the last month. So if you look at the last month, you can see prices have had further declines. So for all of you that have been saying, oh, prices don't decline or in the Bay Area, it's invincible. That is not true. Now, over a long period, things tend to go up like most assets because of the prime uh, location and the prime job opportunities here. But in the short term, we're going to see continuous declines. We're going to talk about whether this is a good time to then buy or sell because at the end of the day, there's always strategies for both. Because this is, remember, this is the median price. This is an aggregate. So as you can see, November figures in Santa Clara County, and most clients are going to be the same, has declined to $1.35 million as a median price for all assets. Uh, single family condos and townhomes. This is a decline of 35,000 from the previous month. That is equivalent to about another two, 3%, roughly around there. So then people have logically asked, okay, well, how much has it declined since this peak? As you can see, the peak was in April. So if you compare against the peak of things, we have already declined by 260,000, which is equivalent to 16%. So there's been about 16% correction and decline since the peak of things. So for those that think you're still at the top of the market, you're not at the top of the market. The top of the market was in April at 16% ago or so. How does this compare to the previous year? We have already declined versus the previous year. You can see the November figures at 1408. So it's lower than that. How about 2020? We're still a little bit higher, but not that much. You can see a lot of things have balanced out. If you compare it to two years ago now, we are 122,000 higher, which is equivalent to about 9%. So it's about 9%. That's not unusual. In general, over a long period of time, as in decades, real estate in the Bay Area goes up about 6 to 7%. So that kind of gives you an idea of what you can expect. That's on average. That's, that includes all terrible years, all really good years. On average, as an aggregate, that is the result. So what else? What are other metrics that people want to know about? Some of the other things people want to know about is like the sale price to list price ratio. That's very important. All right, let's take a look at what has happened there. In general, it's slightly below the adjusted list price. 
So this is the adjusted list price. It's only at 99.6%, right? So it's a little bit less than, it's a little bit less than what people are adjusting to. It, it just means that people are making those proper adjustments. Compare that to the beginning of the year when the market was on fire. You can see it was over 110% over the of the list price of when it was accepted. Now, how does this compare though to original price? So the original price is different. The original price is what they first thought they can get. And then they had to go through different reductions down to get to a different number. So you can see for the last four months now versus the original price where it declined, it's usually about 3% on average below. All right. So this is also very important to understand. Discounts are to be made and to be had. But it's also important for you to be realistic as to what kind of discounts can you expect, right? People are sort of strong buyers right now. And you know who you are that thinking like the market is going to correct some. You think you can forecast it out six months out, which means it's going to decline by 15%, which means I should make a bid 15% below where it should be today. Like that's not how it works, right? You're, you're, you're guessing of the future. So you're making a bet on the future while the seller is living the presence and they're also making adjustments. It doesn't mean you can't make discounts, but you have to also be realistic of expectations. This is why when you look at the data, it's important to see what has sold recently and then do a reduction from that. So for example, if a neighboring home in a home that you like just went off the market because it, it closed, let's say at a million dollars. And if the market, you can say, look, I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to buy at a further discount, let's say another 3% which is 3% has been the change month over month. That's already the market. And it is a good deal to get that home because you're buying it for 3% less than something that just bought a month ago. The house is still the same, similar condition, et cetera, et cetera, but you're still buying it less. That's the game plan to be able to get in. And there are pros of this market. We'll talk about some of the pros of this market for all my clients that have been successful. We helped five clients in the last two, three weeks get into contracts. So things are still evidently moving. Let's talk about the days to sell, the median price, the median time to sell. It has increased to 15 days, but it's actually, interesting enough, less than some of these previous months. Of course, last year was a red hot year, so things were very quick. Even in 2020, it was a red hot year. You can see these numbers are going closer back to in 2019. So they're not actually as bad as people are, are thinking. Do you remember what happened in 2019? We had a mild recession going on because there was also a very quick increase in interest rates. But even the numbers now are still better than then. So it just shows like what has been going on in the strength. And, and you see a lot of things being, uh, being helped and eased. Like inflation numbers are going down. They're being eased. Um, the interesting part with inflation numbers and like employment is you need more unemployment to drive down inflation because then they have less money to spend. It's a it's a very interesting and tricky thing, right? When it comes to you want to tame inflation, but you also there's going to be jobs impacted. So how does the two balance? At the end of the day, if you still have a job, then it's better for you because then inflation is lower, interest rates are lower, but then the job unemployment, you're going to see more and more people affected. And you're going to see those being more viral of being on like your LinkedIn and Facebook feeds, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what I've noticed myself. So it's a kind of an interesting blend. There are clearly tons of people employed. We've actually had many big issues of overemployment over the years where many people are working multiple jobs at the same time because they can get by with it and because employers couldn't fire you 
because they couldn't risk losing individuals. But now that that equilibrium is balancing out to be more normalized from that perspective. So as you can see, the days is still are still moving fairly quickly, 15 days, and it has been an improvement versus the previous months. The next thing I want to look at is let's say look at months of inventory. So what is what is the term of months of inventory? What does that even mean? Months of inventory means if there is no new homes on the market, as in everything stopped, based off of the current velocity of things, that's how long it will take to clear out all homes. So, so no seller wants to sell again. The buyers are buying the same velocity. That's how long it will be. So as you can imagine, the lower it is, it just means how quickly things move and how little th there are things are. But take a look at this. November is 1.7 months of inventory. This number is better than some of the previous time. Like the worst time was in July when things rose up very quickly. Interest rates have dropped. The different things have improved. But you can see these numbers are been pretty flat for the last couple of months. Now, you can see compared to last year, last year was, once again, very red hot. But even if you start comparing to even 2020, it's actually not that much worse. And definitely when you compare 2019, it's not even worse than 2019. So it shows back to it when you see the data itself and you hear all these clickbait headline articles of these media. And that's why I go over all these kind of things that are either really positive or really negative. We try to balance it out because the reality is things are clearly moving. Otherwise, why would it be this way? Why would it be 1.7 months consistently now for a while? It just means there's enough now. We're at more of an equilibrium. The buyers are buying. The sellers are selling. It is what it is. There isn't any more tons of new sellers. There isn't a ton of new buyers. Otherwise, these numbers will continue to get worse if it was actually getting worse. And, the, and a good credit is because, at least in the Bay Area, sellers have been more realistic of adjusting prices, accepting a lower offer, understanding the situation, right? If you're in other markets, if the seller was very firm, like some other markets out of the out of the state, this will keep, keep getting worse, right? A lot of other markets, the, the months of inventory are way worse than what we have at 1.7 months. A true, true, we'll just say true balanced market is six months, but not in the Bay Area. I don't know if it has been six months, let's say even ever, um, because that's that's at other areas which are way, way, way slower. Right. I mean, look at this. If you look at the five years, like look at the, the months of inventory. The worst time was in 2019 where we had the mild recession. Right. Your worst of times is what? 2.6 months. That was the worst in the five, like five years. This is actually almost six years now, to be fair. And um, so you can see like just where it is, where the range is of the Bay Area. So it's always important to understand, OK, well, whatever you may read that may be very macro based. What is it relative to the Bay Area? Because as you can see, 1.7 months is an okay amount. It's not crazy hot like last year. It's not crazy bad. It's not even the worst we had in the last six years. But those are all very, very important things to know and understand. Um, anything else I want to share? Maybe if you, have, if you have anything of interest, feel free to let me know too below. Maybe the last thing I'll say is active number of homes. This is this is all a little bit relevant to um, actually. Let's go with new listings. I think this is a good one. New listings is important. So this goes to the just the number of homes coming on the market, right? So so what happens with higher rates? And we we've been going this over and over again. I'm going to go this over and over again until it changes. Is that the downside of higher rates is that not just there's less buyers in the market, which is evidently very 
accurate, but there's also less sellers that want to sell their home. And that's why you can see these numbers are even pull for the five years. These numbers of new listings is fairly low. I mean, look at November. November is over now, right? 769 homes, new homes came on the market. This is less than 2021. This was less than 2020. This is somewhat similar to 2019, less than 2017, less than 2018, right? So you can see the downside of higher rates is that sellers don't want to move because I think the stat was like over 90% of homeowners in America are under like 5%. Probably most are under that, right? So it's a it's, that's a downside of higher rates too. It's like you're not they're not going to see much come up unless you see massive layoffs. And even though we are seeing names like DoorDash this week um, make layoffs, those are still not massive. Compared to how much employees they actually had just a year ago or two years ago, it's a cut and it's a big cut, but it's they still grow way more over the last few years than that of impact. And so you need to see unemployment rates increase by multiple percents for you to see tremendous distress. But it will have a little bit of help, but as you can see, this is the challenge that you're going to be experiencing as a buyer is like the reality is the good news is there's less buyers out there. The bad news is there's going to be less new listings because why would people want to sell unless they were needing to make a move? Right. And so that's just the reality of what's happening. You can see October was no different. October, 1,011 homes, new homes came on the market, much less than last year, way, way less than 2020, even less than 2019, less than 2018, less than 2017. Right. This is happening across the board. September, same thing. August, same thing. Right. This has happened across for the last few months. So this is something to be very mindful of. Don't bank on it changing a whole lot. That's out of your control. You just have to be understanding of your options. Expand the radius of your search parameters more than before so that you can see more available. But this is a problem and we're not going to see this change, uh, I don't think, anytime soon. So that's also a part of the reason why inventory levels, months of inventory are still very low. Um, I think that's about it. Most counties are, are going through the same thing. So I'm happy to share other ones. You can send me a DM. We can go over that. I can send you a separate list if you want San Mateo County, San Francisco, Alameda County, Contra Costa County. Everywhere is experiencing the same thing. Uh, Santa Clara County is not unique in that way. All right. Let's talk about a few things. So next. Um, U.S. to backstop mortgages over $1 million for the first time. So what does that mean? It means what, what there are many options out there for those that think that you can only buy with 20% down. That is false, right? You can buy with as little as 3.5% down with an FHA loan. And many of my clients are doing that right now. An FHA loan, 3.5% down, the limits of which is called conforming limits, especially in the Bay Area, because prices are higher in the Bay Area, have increased. And so the, the, what this is talking about is you can see that a lot of areas, all counties in the Bay Area, Alameda, all counties in the Bay Area, the conforming loan amount is now at 1089, right? Which means you can go with 3.5% down up to that dollar amount on the loan side. Of course, you could put more, you can put 5%, 10%, and things like that. But it gives you an idea that the, the numbers have increased. So what does that mean for you? As prices drop, and the government has to step in too to increase just these overall limits, it helps those buyers be able to get into the market. Right? And that's the powerful thing about them trying to accommodate these things. Yes, your loan size is more, interest rates are a little bit higher, et cetera, et cetera, but you have that available. Now, 
one other thing though, this is the conforming amount. And a lot of people think that conforming amounts limit or conforming amount uh, interest rates are actually better than jumbo, even though jumbo jumbo loan sizes are more. The answer is, is no, right? Other uh, banks like Wells Fargo, if the average of a 30-year fix is 6.65 right now, Wells Fargo, as an example, can do under 5.5% today as we speak, right? So you can see just depends on the size. Obviously, it depends on how much you're putting down. That's not a that's not a 3.5% down. That's not a 5% down program. That's significantly more. But you can see with jumbo products and these bigger banks, jumbo, they can write them themselves. And so they have a different abilities to offset those increases. They make less margin. They don't want to make any margin. Like there's all these different ways for them to assist with lowering that amount. But it is important. Now, what's also really cool about this is that FHAs also work for multifamily. So congratulations to one of my clients. We got into a multifamily Redwood City, a duplex with an FHA amount. FHA amount for a duplex is uh, like 1.26 million for a loan limit, right? So you can actually increase this based off of your loan figures. And uh, based off of the type of asset. So as a multifamily it actually increases. And there's many cases where those, because you're going to be renting them out, those figures can help offset some of the income requirements. So really, really powerful, very, very powerful tools and very important for a lot of people to understand. This 20% side of it is a myth. You know, that's not the only option. It's a traditional option, but there are plenty of other programs to get you into a house as soon as possible. And then came trying to keep paying rent and try to save up. If you wanted to really save up, you get in and then you pay off your loan faster. It's the same thing as you saving up, right? Except you're not paying rent at that time. You're actually paying yourself. So those are important things that are being changes for 2023. Next, mortgage rates fall for the third straight week, but demand still drops further. So what has happened is that, um, as mentioned, inflation numbers have declined. Expectations of the federal fund now increasing another 75 basis points is now less. The expectation is more closer to 50% because inflation numbers seem to be better. There are some signs that the Fed may be slowing down. We'll see what happens. Um, but I think this December will be, they're going to increase it again. And then they may go and do a wait and see approach to see if that actually calms things down. But across all spectrums right now, it seems like that is the case, right? It's like rent is not increasing the, the same velocity as it was before. It may not even be increasing anymore. And certainly housing has not been increasing. Housing has been de declining pretty significantly. So you can see like a lot of things are uh, returning back to being more favorable for those that are able to buy. And that's why mortgage rates will co have continued to drop and are likely to continue to drop moving forward. Uh, so it's been very, very um, good for people to notice. And like I said, different banks will have different strategies. So while these are all general macro numbers, Keep in mind, it's all going to be based off of your unique situation and what price range that you're looking at. But that's important to know. Let's talk about some just general news, right? Atherton reigns as most expensive U.S. zip code for home sales. These other Bay Area spots also made the list. What's really incredible about places like Atherton. So here's here's some here's some stats. And these are some the five most expensive zip codes for buying a home. I'm going to share some like. Some uh, some stats that I know from, from, from Atherton. Atherton, median sale price, $7.9 million. Sagaponic, $5.75 million. Ross, I 
think that's Ross, 5.5 million. Miami Beach, dig, 5.2 million. Miami's been going crazy. Beverly Hills, 90210, 5.12 million. So what's really interesting about Atherton is obviously it's a very small, small city, right? That's everybody needs to understand. It's a tiny city. And they're all single family homes, right? There's no like condos or anything out there. It's all single family homes. And they're all fairly big homes. They're big homes and big lots. And what's interesting about Atherton, because it's such a small controlled area, there's no new housing being, there's no new developments happening, at least no new land and being developed. There's plenty, there's opportunities always for teardowns, but no new, new, new land. And so what happens though is because it's such a distinguished area, people from all over the world understand that this is a, a premium spot and they will always have some sort of stopgap and, and always an opportunity to try to get into that market if they can. I actually look at the figures for Atherton. If, if you look, if you bought a home in Atherton over the last uh, three decades, the, the increase year over year on average in Atherton, can you take a guess? Leave it in the comments below. Take a guess. What do you think the, the increase is? As I mentioned, in general, Bay Area, it's about 6 to 7%. In Atherton, what do you think it is? Leave me in the comments below. I want to hear it from you. Take a guess. You think it's higher or do you think it's lower than that? Even though it's at this price point, 7.9 million, million, right? Because think about this. The gap of the people that have money has, has continued to increase over time, right? So the rich has gotten richer over the last three decades. Is that fair to say? Like that's, that's, that's across the board. So in these luxury markets like Atherton, is an increase more than 11, 12% a year. It's absolutely incredible. I looked at I looked at a client's home that bought in the 90s, the last 30 years, and I did the math. I was like, holy cow, this is the highest return that I have seen. So it's absolutely incredible. And why does location matter so much? This is why it matters so much, right? It's because at the end of the day, it's so finite. It's so prime. There's only so many houses. And it is what it is. The people that have money get more money. It has not reversed at all, and it's not expected to reverse. There's no signs that it is expected to reverse. And so because of that, the returns have been over 11% a year. Incredible. Absolutely incredible, right? That is more, almost double just the Bay Area in general. And if you think Bay Area is expensive, then that's kind of why it is what it is. And so it's a very, very incredible to see. Um, it's always cool to see, like, the stats of it. They're not as impacted because, quite frankly – the people that have this kind of money to spend 7.9 million on a, on a home on average, they have abilities to take money from other assets, right? So they're way less impacted by these interest rates. It's whether they want to do it or not. And that's their own, obviously personal decision, but let's talk about some of the, just in general, right? This is cool to see. These are shaping up to do the best and worst luxury real estate markets for 2023. Seoul and London expect to be the, the worst performers. In, in a ranking 25 of the world's top luxury real estate markets, Dubai topped the list with price expected to increase 13.5% in 2023. That's pretty wild. Uh, Miami is considered to do very well. New York ranked in the middle of the pack at 13 with price expected to increase 2% next year. Anything else interesting? Dubai saw prices soar by 50% in 2022. So the prices increased for 2023 marks a substantial slowdown. Price of Dubai single-family homes rose 13% in October. 
So that's really fascinating. And I've been to Dubai. So it's interesting in Dubai, right? So a lot of these places, when they're determined by luxury, you also have to be very uh, particular of what does luxury mean and how are they counting for this? Because the data itself for a lot of these places isn't that transparent. That's the downside. Dubai has a ton of properties. So you don't want to always think, oh, it's just a condo. I'm going to buy a cheap condo, which they have many cheap condos. There's many for even under 300,000 US dollars. Uh, and they have no property tax. And there's no, there's no, there's no, um, there's no uh, tax on uh, for sale. So there's no capital gains tax either. And so uh, you may assume that all of Dubai is going to be doing well, but that's not really the case. Now they're going to pitch it that way. So you have to be very careful. But a lot of some of these prime areas, like I've been to this, the Palms, they're very finite of how many houses are there. So these are incredibly investments. And I have actually some partners out in Dubai uh, after going there. So if you have anyone interested in investing in Dubai, let's have a chat. But some of those areas, I would make a bet on those myself, right? Because there's only so many of it. They're not going to be doing that many. They're not going to be doing these kind of palm ones moving forward. And if they do, it's not going to be like the ones that they have done. The cost is higher. The the wanting to get into that is less because people want to be rather in the original ones, right? That's why, like, if you're in the, if you've ever been to Dubai, if you're around like um, Dubai Mall, if you're by the marina, if you're by the palms, like these are some of the top locations for a reason. They're like the original ones. And they're also a very big global destination for people to move their money. And that's always a very powerful thing on a global scale. So very, very fascinating thing. But yeah, if you're able to afford and buy one of these villas, then these are, I would make that bet myself. Um, prices, what can you expect prices to range here? I mean, it's a very big spectrum. On the very, very low end, I believe last time I saw, which about a year ago, is maybe like 1.52 million. I think that's probably on the very low end, uh, US dollars on the very low end of these kind of homes. Um, and then obviously it can go way, way more than that. So it just depends. And then also there's certain condos that are doing very well. So like, for example, uh, Atlantis, that, that whole area they have by Atlantis uh, in Dubai is very, very premium. Those are all sold out. There are very limited versus if you just buy tons of uh Tons of places, like tons of um, condos, that are being built nonstop. Then that's not apparent. So I got, a, I got a question. This is a great question. There are plenty of suburbs that get twelve to fifteen percent per year. Why would you choose a higher profile location where you get less for the money on the initial investment? That is actually incorrect. There is no place that is twelve to fifteen percent a year over a long period of time. In the last few years, has been much more inflated. From those numbers in terms of growth especially in a lot of markets that didn't actually even have growth right look at austin's market as a as an example austin's market in the last two three years have exploded way 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 more but look at the last previous years prior to that it has not increased that much many areas didn't increase at all it was actually stagnant for a long time and so what i was referring to is over an extended period the 11 percent is over 30 years 11 percent a year for 30 years that is crazy. That is in incredible. It's incredible as an investment because even as an S&P buying in the stock market, it isn't even that good. That just shows how strong that asset is. The markets you're explaining in the last couple of years, there are many markets that have done more than 12 to 15 percent a year. But that was only over the last few years. That example was over 30 years time. And that kind of return, you were not going to find those areas. If it was, just do some compounding math. It 
like it just that it, it, it doesn't it wouldn't add up right it just it doesn't add up and that's the difference between something over a long period versus a, a blip now i'm not saying that moving forward we'll see what happens will florida miami still grow like that when crypto has been greatly affected may or may not be uh they still have a big migration pattern over a lot of new york money is over a lot of south american money is over we'll see texas will it still grow that like that kind of amazing amount when people realize that property taxes there are incredibly high we will see right so these are all things that have happened over the last few years so you can't take the last few years and think that's the norm i looked at the history of things including the last years as an aggregate and so that's the difference as you understand of the options of what has really in, increased that much over time no, if that was the case, so so let's let's think about that, right? Let's just do some basic math. If it was really 12% over a year, it was 30 years ago, right? That means it's basically doubling every seven, eight years, eight years. Every eight years, it doubles. So that means you're telling me that if you do some math, a home in the 90s was, I don't know, $100,000 or something. And, uh, and, if it does basically eight, four, so it's probably about four X, then it's 400,000. If it's a home that's 100,000 before and now it's 400,000 now, then yeah, that is that is what it will be. I'd be very surprised and I'd love to see the exact city and just give me any home. You can put it on the in the link and we can look at it together. I'd be lo I'd love to see that because if it is, that is absolutely incredible. Now, Tennessee has been a big benefactor too. So I'm glad that you shared that. Like Nashville has done incredibly well. Um, Raleigh has done very well, right? Uh, but that's in North Carolina. So there are there are some markets that have done fair, very well, but we can see that. Um, let me do that in a bit. Let me go over some of these. And then this is a great point because, yeah, that's incredible if it really can be proven that way. All right. So let's go over a few more things and then let's go over that example uh, momentarily. So one of the things I want to go up, actually, is just in terms of what is actually happening. I'm going to skip this one. What's, what's happening still with the office space side of things? Right. Office spaces still are continuing to make moves, which is interesting. Right. Downtown Sunnyvale office building by Uber. The Uber, the one that Uber leases is bought. This deal shows that tech companies still remain a draw for investors in Silicon Valley. This area is very, very close to downtown Sunnyvale. So it's right by Murphy. It's walking distance by Murphy. It's 200 South Matilda and is bought by for one hundred and ninety three million dollars. Right. So the reality of these things is that things are still moving. Now, who bought this? So you can see JP Morgan Chase initially bought this for in 2015 for about $135 million for that unit. So it shows that even today, this is a, a while now, it, in seven years it has increased by 43%. That's about a 6%. A year on average, not bad, right? Not bad, especially you all hear all this distress of commercial space. A 6% a year, uh, it is lower than residential, but it still shows like it's still better in their minds than, than the market was provided back in 2015. So it's so interesting to see these moves happening. Another one that's still happening, big San Jose office buildings bought by billionaire California family. Wealthy owners will and deal in water rights and farmlands in huge ways. So this was built by... Uh, California billionaires in a deal worth more than $80 million, still buying in the Bay Area. Absolutely incredible. 
2018, this individual was one of the wealthiest farmers. Really interesting. You don't want to disregard anybody that lives in the farmlands uh, and think just because they're farmers, they have no money. Look at this. This is absolutely incredible. They're billionaires because they control this. And now they're buying office space. So it's really, really interesting to see these moves. The new owners pay $54 million for the property and assume they Wells Fargo provide a mortgage for $30 million. The wonderful company is a $5 billion, the world's largest grower of tree nuts, America's largest citrus grower, and the world's largest flower delivery service. My goodness. The company's brand also includes, that's interesting that they have uh, continued to buy office space. Like they're clearly maybe divesting from some of their portfolio. They're probably just also expanding in, in these areas. So it's interesting to see like some of these big, big players are still making moves of buying office space. Even though people are saying there's not much activity, this is a vacant office. Interesting enough, it's not something that's being uh, leased out. So people are still, that's the thing when it comes to these deals, right? If somebody's paying $80 million for this empty office building, do you find that they actually have much uh, distress to want to rent it out? Like, even if you rent it out for hundreds of thousands, like, what is that relative to the $80 million um, amount that you just invested? So that's the interesting part about this whole this whole aspect of things. And the last but not least, and this is going to be happening. I, I, I'm 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 expecting Oracle to like continue to exit out of the Bay Area altogether. So Oracle also had its Pleasanton office. So they have a Pleasanton office for a long time. That was through an acquisition, I think, a long long time ago. So they have a big Redwood Shores office. They've been like either subleasing it, selling space. Some of the space has sold. Now they're also subleasing a lot of the space either in San Francisco and also their other office in the East Bay, which is off the highway in Pleasanton. So these are continuing to happen. They're going to continue to uh, move things out to Texas. And that was that was kind of old, but they've been moving it since 2020. There are still 12,000 employees in the Bay Area. They've been cutting some jobs and will continue to cut jobs and expenses. They're not growing and doing it as well. So those are a few um things that are still going to happen and i expect a lot more of these legacy companies whether it's oracle i'm su i'm surprised cisco is not doing it more uh hp has been doing it um i think some of these other companies that have been around for a while they're not in hyper growth mode anymore they're really about cost cutting mode uh i think a lot of these will will continue to be offloading whether it's in texas or other markets i know atlanta has been getting a lot of this talent too I would not be uh, surprised for that. So let's take a look at some of the data itself. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a second because I want to pull some of these things up. In the meantime, if you guys have any questions, uh, leave it in the comments below. We're going to go over this particular one in Tennessee. Thank you so much for tuning in. I would love to see it because if that is the case, that is absolutely incredible. And that will be a very, very viable investment opportunity. So that would be really, really good. So but let me give me a second. I'm going to be able to pull this up. So there's within the MLS, I have the ability to pull it up, uh, but that's only certainly within, I think generally it's California, but there are, there is also other tools that are readily available to do, to see if the data is actually the case. So in the meantime, any other comments, leave in the, in, in the below, but we're going to go through this exercise. We're going to take a look at this Tennessee market. We have a guest that says that they have 12% over a 30-year period past 30 years. I would love to see that because that would be absolutely incredible. 
give me a second as we pull that up to see if that's what that's Knoxville. So this is put Knoxville. I know Knoxville has done very well for sure. Knox, sorry, Knox County. Let's see, Farragut, Tennessee, Knox County. Wow, it's really small, 23,000 people. That is a tiny city. Give you an idea, Atherton, Atherton population. Smaller, 7,000 people. So yours is still three times bigger than Atherton, but Atherton is really, really small. Uh, and it's, it's very, it's, and it's very sprawled. Up. Um, hmm. Yeah. A little bit tougher. Because if it's just by city, it's very, very small. So how I would do this. Let's see if we can find it on Zillow together. Oops. All right. Um, what I would do through a portal like Zillow I would want to see when the things there is a sold. Yeah, let's just say something recent. So we can look at a few. So we'll just go from newest. I'm just going to pull a few of these and then we'll wrap up after that. Oh, wow. This is a nice one. 37934. Yeah, it's, it's just social Knoxville. But even if I put Farragut, it still shows it. Uh, so let's take a look. Let's look at history. No, we need to find something older because if you want to compare this, what I would then do is year built. It can't be anything past 2000. So that will help. All right. No, it has to be past 2000 because then it's uh, getting closer to at least 30 years. So that just help. That'll help a little bit. So this is 1997. Then we can just do the math backwards. So let's see the history of this. So 1997. So you sold for 380, and now it's 875. So let's do some math of that. 875. That's 380. It's incredible. 887, uh, 879. Okay, and that was over, what is that? That's 25 years. That's 5% a year. That's 5% a year, as this as an example. Let's look at another one. Uh, this is pending. That's not going to help. 
Why does that show pending? It's just sold. Let's just do another one. Something that's sold. No, it's cheaper. Let's go these these other ones. Um, this, this is the one. So, so it's 535. Look at the history of things. So if you look at this, 535, so there's 5%, 5, 535, 8,000, that's 315. Okay, we can do that. Let's mm, find these other ones, 993. It's a small one. So, so recently, same thing. It's sold. The question is: This is interesting. Did it really sell for this amount back then? May or may not be, or is that just part of the land? May or may not be. If it did, then that's uh, yeah, that's where we have to look it up and confirm. But if that's the case, then that's. But then did it increase by that amount? I don't think so. That doesn't seem right. Did it increase by, it probably was just a piece of dirt if that was the case. Because there's, I don't think in three years it would have increased by four times. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a piece of dirt at that time. Let's see this. So here's an example, 99.9. Yeah, so you compare 1999 and this sold recently. Now, I'm pretty sure it was a piece of dirt, but I love to see the stats of it. Of course, we can get into it more. So this is a good one. It sold 1998. This had a whopping big, big gain of 682. This has a huge gain because this is a really, well, no, it's the same. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Yeah. Uh, divided by, what is this, 23 years. So this has done really well. So this is 13 percent yeah so it depends on the time horizons for sure and and certainly tennessee is one of those and, and there's some markets like that i mean you compare like tennessee atlanta these areas like there are certain areas like that that have done very well now to be fair this is also a certain price point right so the the cheaper it is the easier it is to grow that quickly but it's also very, very fair. So this is potentially good. I don't know if it is still good today, but maybe it is uh, still a good investment opportunity for those that might be buying out of the area. You can still see the prices of what they are. Uh, I don't, know, I don't know why this is so low relative to some of these other ones. And there's actually quite a bit that are at this level. So these are, I think, potential good opportunities, right? I mean, 2008 hurt everybody bad. So uh, markets like that are further out uh, do get impacted more so than other markets, but. Then again, that was a long time ago. Everything has uh, good markets have fully recovered and not doubled since 2008. But no, this is really interesting to see, right? So it's good to know too for for those that are 
uh, potentially invest in like some of these markets. And I know Knoxville has been a very, very popular one, uh, at least this part of Knoxville. So that's great to see this information. Well, I hope you guys find it valuable. Uh, we just went through a kind of a deep dive with one of our guests or one of our uh, commentators today, just to kind of get an idea of like the different markets, different investment opportunities. Of course, if you or anyone you know has any questions about the market or wants to discuss your buying or selling situation, send me a DM, let's chat, or you can reach out 408-547-4590. See you next one.